Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Relationship Talks. I'm your host Laurie Brooke and together we will get to take a look at what goes on behind closed doors. Today I'm joined by Chanel Batiste. Hi my name is Chanel Batiste and I'm a licensed therapist and I'm here to talk about healthy relationships. Chanel Batiste, your favorite no bullshit therapist a licensed professional counselor in Texas and licensed professional counselor supervisor in Louisiana. As an entrepreneur, her private practice, Choosing Empowerment, has a primary focus on serving marginalized and disenfranchised communities. They are a barrier-breaking, high-accountability, safe place with a focus on the power of choice and the power of healthy relationships. Chanel uses her relationship building power to break the stigma by providing access through education and empowerment as a speaker, author, advocate, and leader in the community she serves. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Relationship Talks. As you have heard in the introduction, I'm here with Chanel. Now, Chanel is a relationship coach, and I love how she says she is a no bullshit therapist. Absolutely. Chanel, tell me what got you to where you are today? What's your story? Well, um, I come from a long line of relationships, like we all do. Um, <laughs> I think my first relationships, of course, like the rest of us with our parents, um, sealed a lot of things for me and caused me to want to be even become a therapist, right? Um, looking at my family dynamics and relationships and, you know, like something quite isn't right with some of these people, right? And so um, at like seven years old, I was like, I think I want to be a psychiatrist, specifically a child psychiatrist, because I need to help children like myself. And so I don't even know if I truly understood what all those words meant, um, but um, I knew I, I knew it had something to do with the, the mental wellness of us, right? Um, and I think that's when I first started realizing I was sad. And so, but I didn't have a name to put on it, right? And so um, that kind of started um, my journey into becoming a therapist, being interested in, you know, how people interact and what their relationships are to one another that cause certain things to happen and you know, and I've always analyzed people. It's just the nature of me. I always say that God gave me this gift of of counsel. Yeah, you know, being a therapist is not what I do. It's who I am. It's who I've always been. And so, you know, going through all the things that I went through in childhood, parents divorcing, and um, I was parentified. My mother was a single parent. I was the oldest, so I took care of the kids, you know. And so um, grew up very fast and learned... Um, lots of relationship dynamics and some wrong relationship dynamics, right? And so watch my mother go through a lot of wrong relationship dynamics. And um, just being an eyewitness to those things and I realized, you know, even long ago, how important those dynamics were to who we are and who we become as people, you know? I think about my relationships with my siblings. It's um, three of us that come from my mom and me and my brother's in the middle and I have a baby sister and even those dynamics have been throughout life you know there's always two against one you know and it's me and my brother against my sister or them two against me or you know there's always some sort of dynamic that creates you know a certain atmosphere right and stuff and so um took me into high school 
where everybody came to me to talk about their stuff. And I have always been the friend who never told anybody's business. It's not my business to tell. So I'm not going to gossip, you know? And so people came to me to talk about things because they knew it wouldn't go anywhere. And I was non-judgmental, you know? Um, and so I continued in my journey of psychology and behavioral things and understanding how these things work and how they, how, to, how our life experiences affect who we are, right? And relationships play a huge, it plays the <laughs> dynamic. Yep. It's, it's, it's where everything starts is the relationship, you know? And so I've, you know, worked that into my practice. Um, I started my practice in, I think, 2015. I'm from New Orleans. And so I started it in effort. Uh, I've always known I wanted a practice, but I started this practice. And after working for different people through, throughout college and all that and realizing that the way people were saying they were helping was not true help. You know, and so I saw some things that needed to happen. And I was like, the only way to do it is to start my own and use the knowledge that I've gained, you know, and my experiences to make that happen. And so the premise of choosing empowerment is the power of choice and the power of healthy relationships, because that's how I do therapy. I realized, especially because I work with mostly marginalized and disenfranchised communities, that a lot of the reason they don't go to therapy is relationship. It's like, I don't know them people. I'm not going to talk to them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or um, or the fear of being judged, you know, is somebody going to understand my experience, you know? And so making that connection um, within that therapeutic relationship is key and vital to somebody coming and staying and actually getting healthy. People are building, you know, that trust, between somebody and and then some of them have never had it have never had a trusting relationship with anyone and so why would I trust a stranger why would I tell somebody my business you know and so that's been my goal my goal is like to break stigma to you know eliminate barriers that stop people from coming to get the help that they really need and I do that by building relationship with the community doing things like this, you know, and talking to people and helping them to understand and see who I am rather than looking at me, you know, from this image that they see on the television, you know, or some image that they're told this is what therapy looks like, you know, come see for yourself, <laughs> you know, but building that relationship ask, is really a hmm? In your whole education, I, you know, and I feel... I want to say you you're truly lucky in terms of you knew from a young age what you wanted to do. Yeah. And yeah. so you've been on that journey throughout your life. What yeah. do you think was the first thing that you kind of learned and you could relate back to I suppose your story and go, "Wow, I wish that had been done differently." Parenting. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me along just the, the education journey and connecting that to the personal journey, I realized how much pain my mom was in and that it's hard to parent through that pain if you don't get any help, right? And because so much of my stuff that I went to therapy for had to do with her. So much of it just pointed back to even my relational stuff with my husband really trickled back to my parent relationship, right? And how I work with my children 
had to do with my parenting, really. Like everything had to do with my relationship with my mother, you know, um, and recognizing like I, I wish she would have had an opportunity um, to be able to do therapy like we do now. Right. Because and I really I her and her death anniversary was like January 31st. And I this year I really thought deeply about that. And I was like, had my mother had an opportunity to really get the healing that she needed. Oh God, how much further along she would she have been? She might have still lived because I know for a fact that the emotional and mental wellness of ourselves affects the physical wellness of ourselves, right? And so those very things that she was hurting for and, and with emotionally may have very well been the thing that caused the disease in her body. You know, that's how important relationships are, you know? And I know that that stemmed from her relationship with her mom. And that was relationship with their mom, you know? So it just keeps trickling back. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So what have you done differently in your relationships? Everything. (laughs) First, I had to acknowledge that I was in pain, you know? Um, Being able to acknowledge where you hurt, you know, and how you're being affected, I think is most important. Um, And communication. I think communication is the most vital thing we have right my mother described her relationship with her mother as non-communicative like we didn't have a relationship she didn't even like me you know and it wasn't that she didn't like her she didn't know how to do the thing right um and that's what most parents we don't if we don't know how to do it we just do the best we can because it's all we got right um but now i had the advantage of being able to first use my relate my uh, experiences with my mother say, okay, I don't like this part, but I like that part. So I'm going to keep that part and throw that part out. You know, um, there was a, there has, and usually what happens is somebody says, I don't like how my parent parents. So I'm going to do the complete opposite, but that's not healthy either. Right. They're mm-hmm. super strict. I'm going to be super lenient. And then you got wild children. Right. And so it has to be a balance. Right. And learning which parts to keep and which parts to throw away um having support systems those are more relationships right and so people that can help me along the way and tell me hey hey that's a little too harsh or that's a little too soft right and so I had to I had the advantage of going to school learning the things and you know and being able to piece those pieces together to see what was you know appropriate and what wasn't um not that I haven't made any mistakes I made a lot (laughs) See, I think that's that's a key there is that you can actually acknowledge that you have made mistakes and yeah, then you can absolutely do better next time. Exactly. And and to get people to understand that like when you've failed, and I use that in quotations because failures are not failures, right? They're stumbling blocks, they're learning opportunities, and our mindset is like, oh, woe is me, I have failed. But but you haven't. Like you've reached a point where you have to you can evaluate the situation and say, hey, I didn't do that part right. Let's go at that again, but not do this and add this and let's see what happens then, right? And so, and that's, I've had that advantage of doing that because I've changed my mindset, because I don't have a failure mindset. Um, Do I still struggle um, with like self-deprecation or like, you know, it's a little woe is me sometimes, but that's why I have a therapist. I go and talk to my therapist and say, you know, because I just didn't, and I should have. She's like, you just, you're a parent and that's parenting. <laughs> you know, just a reminder, like, you're doing your best. 
now let's do that again, right? Um, I've had the advantage as well of being a foster adoptive mom. And so uh, I have five adopted girls and two biological girls. Um, the Lord didn't want to give me no boys. I don't know why. <laughs> but um, and, and that dynamic, being able to see each individual child as an individual, right? And everybody has their share of trauma and people can come from the same household and behave completely differently. Come from like, we all had the same experience, right? We had the same mom, same dad, the same house and all that, but like come out completely differently, mm -hmm. right? Um, birth order makes a difference. You know, the fact that I was parentified made a difference, right? Um, my brother was the star child. I call him my mother's son, S-U-N, because that's how important I felt he was to her, you know, and then my baby sister, she's a baby, she's a baby, right? And so those dynamics also, that's the relationships, right? My, my brother was her son because she didn't have a husband, right? And so he became her man, <laughs> you know, that's, that's my boy, right? And so that relationship dynamic affected his ability to develop relationships when he got out of the house, right? And so he even says to me, like, I realized that the women that I dated were single moms like mom. I think I was trying to save mom, you know, and I grew up trying not to be like mom, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it just depends on, like, what that experience is and what those relationships are. My mom was a great mom to the ability that she was able to be, right? And the parts where she couldn't be, we we have to take whatever hurt we have from it and then heal ourselves and parent ourselves, you know? So how do you find when clients come to you, what mm -hmm. is one area that you think they need, I suppose they've got in common. And it's one of those things that if we can start to get our heads around this and we can start to work on this, mm -hmm. then we're going to, it goes a long way to solve problems. I think the common thread, um, people want to be seen, heard, and understood. Everybody wants to be seen, heard, and understood. And we are all trying to get our needs met by any means necessary. And to, and so people do it maladaptively. It's just that everyone wants to get it. And sometimes you don't even know what the need is, right? Most of the time, the need is a healthy relationship of some sort, right? Because we seek connection all the time we seek connection right people have babies to have somebody to love them right people enter into relationships marital relationships and, and romantic relationships because i just want somebody to love me right um but the the common thread is that most of us don't love love ourselves yeah and that's, that's what i was gonna ask isn't it it's for me, I feel like the most important place to start in those types of scenarios is to love yourself first because it you're is. not going it to is. ever get that love from somebody else. Right. But to convince people of that, people know it. They know it cognitively, but like subconsciously and emotionally, it's hard. It's, it's hard to split that switch, right? Because we also grew up like people pleasing, like you have to please your parents. You have to be a good girl or a good boy, right? And so... Everything is performance-based. You do good grades, you, you're a good girl. You listen to what I say do, you're a good girl, you know? And so it's so much conditioning to be like, I need to do this thing in order for people to love me, right? 
And so how do I love myself if I'm not doing the things to be a good girl? So I can't possibly love myself, right? Um, or being in situations where, um, again, when you have parents who are pretty harsh in their parenting, like my mom used to cuss us out all the time, <laughs> you know, like all the time. And so um, there was name calling and everything. And and so that's what that, in your formative years, you know, from birth to what, seven or eight, you're just soaking that in. So if I'm not getting my needs met, I'm not getting enough hugs and love. I'm not getting enough praise. I'm not getting enough. I love you just because you are right. Not because you did good, just because you exist. I love you. Right. And teaching that self-love because a parent can't teach self-love if they don't have self-love. Right. And so that's hard to get to once we become adults and once we get to teenage years and, and you know, from middle school on, it's hard, <laughs> you know, middle school sucks <laughs> and everything past that. Change that dynamic though. You know. You, you know, in terms of being able to show our children that self-love is the most important thing, how do you <laughs> change that dynamic? Because as parents, it is one of those things you want children to do the good, right thing. And so we heard about, yeah rewarding positive behavior and right which is necessary so when we've got that dynamic how do we kind of flip the switch ourselves to change it to one of self-love so of course you have to start with yourself first you know and i tell ever i say everybody needs a therapist everybody on top of everybody needs some a therapist a coach or somebody who can help you to recognize we are all not perfect we make mistakes we correct those things, like, you know, just those basic underlying things to recondition ourselves, right? And then you can pour that into your children, right? And that's done. You, of course, you still need positive rewards, right? But I was just on TikTok yesterday speaking about um, how we're not raising robots, right? We're not, we're, we're raising independent thinkers. So for you to change your parenting style to a way that, um, encourages your child to ask you why, you know, to encourage your child to say, no, I don't want to do that. Well, you know what? You don't have to do that. There's consequences to every action, of course, but you do have choices, right? And so raising them in a way that's going to empower, you know, empower their thought process and empower their thinking skills, you know, their negotiation skills, like, you know, most kids grow up end up being people pleasers because I had to please my parents in order to get my needs met, right? Mama didn't even want to give me a hug if I didn't do the thing, right? And so to to revamp that, like, I, I will, I'm, I'm going to hug you regardless, you know? And that's I'm feeling prickly because I don't want you to feel that off of me. But give me a moment, you know? So modeling that too, right? So, so. If I'm prickly, then I don't want the kids to come and try to hug me because that's the, not the energy that I'm trying to flow with, right? I, I tell my kids when I'm feeling prickly. I, I tell them when I'm feeling moody. I tell them when I'm not feeling well. And I say, hey, mama needs some time. I'm going to be in my room. I don't want to take anything out on anybody or snap at anybody. Um, my, On my mama's death anniversary, I was feeling super soft-hearted, like, you know, heavy-hearted. And I said the first thing in the morning, hey, so mama's death anniversary. I'm grieving today. Like not too many questions, not too many demands, you know, because I don't want to be like, <laughs> you know, um, because that stuff spills over into being angry, agitated. And then you say things you don't mean. Right. And so 
giving everybody that that you know that press conference beforehand and saying hey this is what's going on with me so we're leading by example right and so I want to teach my kids that if you are feeling some type of way to be able to communicate that and say hey mom I really want to do the dishes but I'm feeling super sad and agitated can I do them in the morning here's a compromise can I do them in the morning can can I do them before school like you know because again this is not like a a boot camp or whatever, like it's a household. And as an adult, if she feels some type of way in her own house, she's not going to do the dishes when she don't feel like it. She's not. But she also not going to let it get overboard because that's going to become overwhelming because the consequence of not doing it is you got a sink full of dishes and now you're overwhelmed, right? And so teaching that there's consequences to those things, but your feelings are valid, right? I think a lot of us just grew up in houses where our feelings weren't validated they weren't allowed or accepted you know um, or acknowledged you know my mom did a good job of acknowledging feelings and teaching us to express our feelings except when it came to her like to everybody else yes you tell that teacher how you feel are you talking to me that way <laughs> you know <laughs> um like just to express the feelings it was like disrespectful but mama you taught me to but not to me, <laughs> you know. Do as that I was say, not as I do. Not as I do, right? <laughs> you know, and so it was a matter of, but I also recognized later in life that was a power control move for her. When people don't feel like they're in control of their lives, what's the first What's the first entity, first thing you can do is rule your kids. You know, I don't feel powerful in this world. And so I'm going to just come home and rule the little people because it makes me feel powerful, you know. And so when we take away that component, you know, and not feel the need to overpower somebody else, then that relationship can be nurtured, right? And then we can develop a, a you know, hey, you, you can talk to me about anything. No, for real. And I promise not to get mad. And even if you get mad on the inside, then you keep your promise of not showing anger to this kid if you want them to tell them, tell you all the, you can't do both. You can't say, come and tell me all the things and then we'll tell you things, you like blow up and that crazy and they'll never come to you again, right? So understanding the responsibilities of that balance, you know, so it just, it just starts with ourselves. Can I ask, I want to go back to your story from a childhood perspective. Mm -hmm. When your parents separated, um, did that, I suppose that dynamic have an impact for you? And if it did, what was it? Um, I, I remember when they separated, I was eight. Um, it was impactful for me, definitely, because I don't remember much before that. <laughs> that was a traumatic experience for me, for them to separate to begin with, because then I became my mother's other parent, yeah. right? And so my mom was a single mom. She had to work all the time. She needed my help. And so I helped take care of my siblings. And so my entire life changed from being just a kid to being kid slash adult, right? Um, and so the impact for me was grand. It changed everything about who I am. You know, like because of because of growing up in that way, you know, I am who I am now, right? Yeah. Um, I'm a person who struggles to ask for help, <laughs> you know, because I couldn't trust that much. I didn't trust the adults that were present because I had to be that adult, right? And so I take care of everybody. 
everybody. I had to learn to take care of me, you know, because um, most parents do that. They put themselves on the back burner. And, and so I learned that same, you know, dynamic, right? And so my brother and sister came first, right? And it didn't help that I already had this undying love for my siblings that was weird. <laughs> you know, my mama would, they would want to, you know, our kids, they want to come with you and stuff like that. And, you know, the older siblings like, ew, leave me alone. And my mom would tell my siblings, um, see if, if she'll have you, you can go. And they would walk up to me and say, Chanel, will you have me? And I'm like, yeah, come on, let's go. You know, I love taking them everywhere, right? Um, so I'm a little weird, like <laughs> when most people don't want to be bothered with their siblings. And so, so, but I enjoyed being, again, those relationships, I enjoyed those relationships with my siblings, you know, those were my buddies, man. And so, um, and I guess as I also wasn't a kid that was out trying to do mischief, you know, I, I you know, I wasn't trying to get into nothing that they was going to tell on. So I was like, come on, let's go have fun. You know, I'm sure my friend has a sibling or something like we can go have a good time and all that. So I think, um, like that had a big, that had a huge, huge impact on how my, the trajectory of my life went after that. Right. Um, because I, I, in essence, I wound up taking care of my mom too, you know, um, along the lines of, um, you know, along the years she had, she had done well with working and worked her way up to like assistant manager and we moved and then she got framed and fired. Right. And so, Everything went downhill and so did my mom's mental state. And she became so depressed out of her mind that she began to use drugs. And so um, we were home. We were back in New Orleans with family because we had been in Shreveport and we had moved uh, to Victoria, Texas. And so when we moved back home to New Orleans, that's where I was born, um, you know, we had family around. So that was helpful and all that. But then I ended up still, she was functional. She still did the thing she was supposed to do. We didn't go without or anything, but she was sad. She was really sad, <laughs> you know? And so in essence, I was kind of taking care of my mom too, you know? Um, and kind of being, again, as an adult, like an adult, I was being her friend and her daughter, you know, which is a whole mix of relationships. Cause it's like, let me talk to you about all the things. And then it's like, no, go to bed, <laughs> you know? Which one am I today? Yeah. You know. <laughs> which role am I playing at this point? Exactly. Like, yeah. I didn't know which role I was playing at any given time. So, and that's confusion, you know. So. Okay. So how do you work with your clients to build these healthy relationships? I start at the root. Well, I'm lying. I don't start at the root. I start with getting to know them. I start with getting to know them. I talk about that. The first few sessions with me are just a get to know you. Let's shoot the breeze and talk about some things. And and through those conversations, you naturally figure out and find out about the story. You start, they will tell their story, right? And stop. And then I'm extracting the whole time they're talking, I'm extracting things that, mm, okay, that look like people pleasing. Oh, that looks like this. Then oh, that looks like an attachment issue. You know, and stuff. And so I'm pulling at those things and then I'm curating my questions. So, okay, maybe we need to visit the past. Cause I also teach my clients, we're not, we don't live in the past. We visit it for the purpose of getting the things we need to get from it so we can understand the why. And then we come back to the present and work in the present because we don't, we're not living back there, you know. Yeah. 
Um, and so bringing those things forward and helping them to see how, you know, what things connect to what, you know, and because most people don't understand, okay, if I didn't get this need met, then now this has created this thing in me. And that's why I chose this mate who doesn't do the thing that I need him to do, but I can't leave him alone because it's to sell the need that's still not met, <laughs> you know. And so, and then teaching them, you know, you can meet that need. Did you know you can meet that need yourself? Did you know? No, you didn't know. Okay, well, let's talk about how we do that, right? And so that that discovery, like that, you know, opening of the eyes, right? And it's like, oh, oh, you know what? I can do that. I can. And it's real, it's a lot simpler than I thought it was, right? You know, something as simple as self-talk. And people think it's weird or crazy. But remember, we were taught not to talk to ourselves. That's crazy. You talk crazy. <laughs> you know? But that's the thing that heals us. It's self-talk. Yeah. And you're talking okay to your kids. Yeah. Yeah. As okay kids. As kids. But as you get older, that's when it becomes right. that whole, don't do that. Don't do that. Right. And it depends on your culture. Because in the Black community, it's never okay. Uh-huh. It's never okay. Are you crazy? What, you talking to yourself? <laughs> you know? Boy, you must be crazy. You know? And so... And a lot of times in our in our culture, that there's there's a lot of nuances that we don't get to be right, and and a lot of that comes from the fact that we have to protect ourselves at all times. And you know, the black child can't just walk down the street without being hyper vigilant, right? So that causes us to kind of grow up a little bit faster, and so we don't get that freedom of you know using the imagination, you know, or doing that talking to yourself or having an imaginary friend. You don't have the luxury of that a lot when you have to be serious and hypervigilant to make sure, you know, that you are safe, you know. And so that creates a whole different dynamic. You know what I'm saying? Which, yeah, I think that's a whole other story. Of course, of course. And, oh, (laughs) my heart just bleeds in those, you know, at the thought of being constricted like that. But how Hmm. how can we change this dynamic? Okay. How can we create this, I suppose, relationships that work for us, that empower us and that move everyone forward? We stop uh, operating in the construct that we should be compared to each other, that um, that, um, what other people are doing is, is better, you know, or their relationships are perfect, you know, it's just getting out of the mindsets, man, <laughs> you know, you know, and you, as a little girl, you're like, I just want like a princess and the frog kind of, you know, I just, I just want my Prince Naveen to come to me and sweep me off my feet. That's what I want. But that's not what happens in real life. <laughs> you know, it's not what happens in real life. Right. Um, And it puts undue pressure on the prince. Right. Because, we have this vision of him being perfect and men aren't perfect. Mates aren't perfect. You know what I'm saying? They did. They're not. Right. And so just getting rid of all of that, you know, fantasize, you know, envisionment of things. Right. You know, I didn't, my kids tease me all the time because they said I took away a piece of their life because I didn't show them a lot of princess stories. I didn't. Because I did not want them with the princess syndrome that a man was supposed to come and sweep you off of your feet, you know, and rescue you from the tower, you know, and stuff. 
if somebody does, if you trapped and somebody does, that's cool. But here are some skills to equip you to get yourself out of the tower. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying you don't need anybody to get you out of the tower. I'm just saying you can get yourself out of the tower, right? Yeah. And so, and so having again that balance, right? Not that you know I don't need a man thing, but have a, a, a enough independence to be able to take care of yourself. And if he come along and he do the things, that's great. Appreciate that, right? And so it's just changing mentality. It's changing how we view the world. You know, we can't operate in self-love if every time we turn around, we're looking, we're scrolling social media and looking at what everybody else is doing. And I want to be like that. And I want to travel. And I, well, you don't know what she did. There's some grind that went behind that, right? She's not showing you the grind part. She's showing you the pleasure part. But there were some things, right? There are some things this couple had to go through before they took these great pictures. This is just an image of what their relationship looks like when things are great. However, behind the scenes of this photo might be a fight or two, might be some disagreements, some hard stuff, some financial issues. You know, there are some things behind that. And so we keep looking at the image of a thing and seeing it as the thing. No, it's just a snapshot. It's just a snapshot, like you know what I'm saying? A little bit of time. A smidgen, a smidgen. Because that's part of what I do in my practice too is I present my, I tell everybody, I'm not on a pedestal just because I'm a therapist. Look, I had a gift. I nurtured it. I went to school. I got the degrees. I did what the people that the state said to get my license. But I'm just like you. I'm just like you. And sometimes you're going to have an issue that I'm still working on and I'm going to tell you about it. And I'm going to say, hey, I'm still working on that thing too. We're going to work on it together. <laughs> you know, when I come up with some resources, we both going to try that and see, see if it works for either of us, you know? And, and it's, again, that solidifies the relationship because people are like, oh, oh, okay. You are just like me, right? You're human. If I have, right, I'm human. I have the, I, I, I had, I had a relationship that did not work. My, I have, I've been divorced. I get it. Right. And stuff that don't make me, an expert or not an expert, but I have some experiences I can pull my out of my hat to go along with the education that I have. And we're going to put those together, right? And see if I can help somebody else, right? And I'm honest that if it's something that I can't help with, let me find you somebody who can. You know, let's find another expert in that field, in that area. You know, somebody that specializes in that thing. You know, or okay, you don't want to, if you don't want to stop seeing me, well, let me talk to the people and do a consult. Right. And I say, OK, how can I help my person to do this thing? Right. Because yeah. I'm like, I'm not an expert in addiction, but I have a lot of clients who have some symptoms of addictive personality, not necessarily addicted to drugs, but other things. Right. And so I had to consult one of my colleagues and say, hey, you LADC, talk, talk to me about this addiction thing. This is the situation. Right. And so that helps me again, because I don't know all the things about everything. I don't. There's, it's impossible for me to do so. But that's why, you know, we get our CEUs and we study and we read and we are, we're always evolving and learning and all that. And so as I'm learning and growing, I tell my clients that, hey, I saw a new thing. Or, you know, I saw this thing on TikTok. I'm going to send it to you because it made me think about some stuff. We need to research that, you know. And so, like, you know, like it's it's, it's the realness. It's the humanness, right, yeah. and all that. So that I don't hold myself. And I tell everybody, you're an expert on you. I'm not an expert on you. I'm an expert on, on these things that I've experienced and these things that I've learned, which are always growing and always evolving, right? And stuff. What I learned when I was graduating from with my master's degree has completely changed, right? 
you know, we've, we're constantly learning and growing and developing and new studies are coming out and new research. And so I'm like, oh, you know, I just learned a thing, <laughs> you know? And so we talk about those things. I let them teach me stuff, you know? Because even like, say, for example, the ADHD community, because I'm ADHD. By the way, I'm glad I was on time today. So because <laughs> that is my deal. Um, and I tell my clients that too. I say, hey, I'm ADHD. I struggle with time management and being on time and, you know, object permanence, all that stuff. So if I am late, connect with me and say, hey, where are you? Because, and I'm going to go, oh, I was doing a thing and I lost the time, you know, but you will get your entire bit of time, right? And yeah. so they appreciate that because I'm honest about it, right? Do I have some clients that can't deal with that? I respect that. I've had some military people that's like, I can't deal with you not being on time. I respect that. Let me find you somebody that's diligent in time, <laughs> you know, because I'm still working on it. Yeah. But I think that also goes to show that we can't be everything for everyone. We can't. And that yeah. comes back to that people pleasing trait. You know, yeah. you might want to desperately try to be everything for everyone, but it's only going to impact you later on. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's another thing we have to learn as, as people and, and build, build a relationships and stuff too, is that you can't be everything to everyone. You know, I just talked to somebody recently about like um, romantic relationships and how in essence, we start thinking that we are, that they're supposed to be my everything. Like they're my other half, you know, what would I do without, like, they can't be your every, everything. Like I have a best friend we give the best hugs, <laughs> you know, we know each other on a spiritual level, you know, and it took me a long time to get a best friend like that. Right. And so there are a lot of things that where she meets my needs. Right. And stuff. And then I have a male friend that meets some needs. Right. And then I have my children that meet other needs. And you know what I'm saying? So like my male friend lives in Minnesota. Right. And so I can't get a hug from him, but I can get a hug from my best friend. <laughs> you know, if I need some physical touch, hug me a hug, man. I can hug my kids. And so we have so many different needs and different dynamics within us, right? And every one person can't meet all that. Just like it takes a village to raise a kid, it takes a village for us to survive, which is why relationships are essential, right? They're important for us to survive this planet. So, I mean, you know, we're not here by ourselves. We are all connected. We are all a community of people that cannot survive without each other. You know, have you seen studies of people that, that go to solitary confinement? Like, yeah, that's why that's why it's a punishment. It's a punishment because we are social beings. Being by yourself can be horrendous, right? For many of us who struggle to be by ourselves, it's the thoughts. It's the ruminating thoughts, it's the negative thoughts, it's the, the it's the parts where you should have been talking to yourself, but you were talking to yourself, but in a negative way, you know, like I've challenged a lot of clients say, you know, if you talk to you, if you talk to one of your friends, like you talk to yourself, how would you feel about that? They'd be like, oh, no, that, that'd be a bad friend. I say, well, stop being a bad friend of yourself. You know, and we don't realize it sometimes until we're writing it down. I, I often, journaling is my jam. I love talking to people about journaling, getting people to journal. It's so cathartic. And so when I get people to start, I'm like, it don't matter what you write, just write. There's no rules, just write. And one of my clients, after his first entry, he had a session and he was like, I talk really bad to myself. 
I say very horrible things to myself. Yeah. I say, and you had no clue until you wrote them down. And I say, and those are the things that are ruminating your mind every single day. No wonder you're sad. Look at how you're talking to yourself. You wouldn't talk to a friend that way. He was like, hell no. And so I was like, so let's change how you talk to yourself. You know, and it's the simple little things. It's the smallest little things, you know. So I think that self-talk and that, you know, getting rid of that um, fairy tale image, I think, is very essential, you know. Can I ask you one final question, Chanel? What do you think the secret to relationships is? Communication. Communication and unconditional acceptance, right? That's a big one. <laughs> yeah, and we haven't touched on that at all. Right, and unconditional acceptance doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be involved with that person, right? Because I, over the past few years, I have purged a lot of people from my life, right? Um, and just because I've learned to treat myself better, right? Um, because I am a natural born people pleaser and because I love people unconditionally and I believe in second, third and 17th chances, but I keep, I kept hurting myself, right? By allowing this person who is showing me who they are, right? To continue to do those things to me. So it's okay for me to say, I accept who you are and how you behave and I can accept you unconditionally, but that doesn't mean I have to be your friend. That doesn't mean I have to be close to you. I can check on you from afar. You know, I can check on you every now and then, you know? And so making those, those choices for that. But I think communication is essential is most, most essential. And we don't talk enough. We don't talk enough and we don't talk enough about the real stuff. Right. You know, before you get into a relationship, you should be having talks about all the things that involve, not just you, not just, you know, because when we meet people, we meet their representative and we're trying to be perfect and, you know, look a certain way and be a certain way and, and hide all the flaws and all that kind of stuff. And women are like, I'm not going to poop because I don't need him to know that I stink. But we all pooped. <laughs> right. And so and so it's the simplest stuff like that, like poop and say, excuse me, he's going to find out about it at some point, <laughs> you know, and he we all have the same valid functions. All of us, all of us pooped, right? And so, so stop the, the stop the pretentiousness and like let somebody meet who you are, right? You know, and and the real you, so that they can really get to know who you are, and they can decide whether that's who they want to be with or not. You know, so that honesty point, which is hard for everybody, <laughs> you know, real hard to be honest. So, uh, but like being able to communicate what's real. You know, and talking about the things that bother you and talking about the things, talking about who you are, you know, and learning who you are so you can talk about it. Because <laughs> that's another thing is people don't know who they are because they've been. Well, that's it. If you don't have that self-love and that self-discovery at the start that we talked about, it's very hard mm -hmm. to have those conversations at the conversations. end. It is. It is. It very much so is, you know, and since you since we didn't have it in the beginning and we're in the middle of this game, then seek somebody who can help you to figure that out. You know, be willing to grow, mm -hmm. learn how to grow, right? You know, put yourself in spaces and places where you're being treated well. And, you know, and then people will talk to you and be honest with you, but in love, right? Because I'm a no bullshit therapist. I'm going to give it to you real, but I'm going to hold your hand along the way. And I'm going to support you to hold, I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader, but I'm going to stay in your behind. <laughs> you know, these are the things that you said you want to work on. So let's yeah. do it, you know? So, 
thank you so much for joining me today. I've had such a blast having a chat with you. Thank you. I appreciate you. And thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Relationship Talks. If you can, I would love for you to jump on and leave a review. And whilst you are at it, don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please join me again next week when we get to take a look behind closed doors at someone else's relationship. But until then, I am your host, Laurie Brooke, and remember the choice is yours, so make today and the week the very best it can be.